0: Welcome to the NPCs Podcast and the Weekly News Roundup. For the week of March 31st, 2023, here is what's making headlines E3 has been cancelled, and no one is shocked. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom gameplay has been revealed. Sony may have only sold 300,000 PSVR 2s, analysts are saying a price cut may be needed. My name is Travis Sherman, and as always for the Weekly News Roundup, I am joined by none other than Kyle Inman. Kyle, what is up, man? Oh, not a lot. What's up, what's up with you? Building Gundams, dealing with chaos... Uh, I had some friends who actually just went to Japan recently so I know of course nobody can see this except you but uh some official pocket monster little these little pencil cases I think they're like from gashapon ma- uh, machines uh but uh yeah you can see that like the bulbasaur one here actually has the japanese name right there on it so what is it uh fushi fushi fushigidane fushi yeah I, c- I can't pronounce it And then for the other one, it's uh, Larvitar, but in Japanese, it's uh, Yogiras, I think. And yeah, of course, right on the back, it just says simply, you know, Pocket Monsters. So I got those, and uh, I guess they went to the uh, Super Sentai Cafe, which for people who don't know, Super Sentai is where Power Rangers came from, and um, I got it put away on a different shelf somewhere, but they brought me back a, a placemat from the cafe which is funny enough, and it's from uh, Abba Ranger, which is in the United States. That's Power Rangers Dino Thunder, and it's like that's a placemat. And yeah, sure enough, it's like it says Super Sentai Cafe or Super Sentai Restaurant around the edges of it. It's just it's cool. <laughs> it's like it
1: is pretty sweet.
0: It's like for a Power Rangers Sentai geek like me, it's like man, that's awesome. It's like I'm gonna frame a placemat here at some point to put up on the wall with all these other things. So
1: that's awesome.
0: That, that's that's that was just a. You know, it was just a funny little thing just to, to share out there, but um and then you picked up a bunch of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle books l- lately, didn't you?
1: Oh yeah. No, I I've, I've been on a total Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kick uh for the IDW collection that uh I want to say started in I believe like 2011, but yeah, I've got uh two of them already and uh reading one right now and uh got a third one on the way. <laughs> I might have a new addiction. So, well, this is all to get you prepped because you got the Last Ronin,
0: which we talked about I think either last week or the week before as being a like an upcoming game that they're going to make. So, it's based on that comic book series from uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, you know, you're just getting yourself prepared for that game
1: coming out, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, how how much can the story change, but I I guess we'll find out. So, <laughs> no
0: kidding man no kidding well let's hop right into the news let's start talking here about the first thing this week and it's by far the biggest one but i don't think should come as any surprise to anybody right now and that is e3 2023 has officially been canceled so earlier in the week we actually saw reports that uh ubisoft had joined in and also pulled out from uh the e3 conference and we also saw the likes of, I believe, Tencent as well also announced that they weren't going to be coming out either. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else yeah, it along was. Yeah, with this, Sega at the
1: same time as Tencent. That's right.
0: That's who I was forgetting was Sega. I was trying to remember who it was, but the, the oh, article yeah. we're referencing from IGN doesn't talk about it. But yeah, that's right. So all the big players pulled out. Microsoft, obviously, was one of the first ones um nintendo has been doing their own thing for a long time now they had a presence at e3 with uh the treehouse direct that they would host live actually at e3 on the showroom floor uh sony of course backed out too for playstation stuff and then yeah ubisoft this week along with sega and tencent so it's like you've got all the big names going away you know we didn't hear anything about ea but you know it's been determined that sometimes the better way to handle some of these events is just do them on your own. Um, Kyle, we really didn't see this as a surprise,
1: though. Honestly, this was writing on the wall. I mean, how are you going to have, you know, E3 with just EA? What are you going to... E3 presented by EA, you know? Uh, I mean... EA, E3. Right. That's not much of a presence. But yeah, I, I think we did see it for... Quite a while coming now, especially with uh, the success of the Summer Games event or or Summer Games Fest, excuse me. Um, and uh, besides that, just the big three pulling out so quickly and so early on. Um, at, at least confirmation that they weren't going to be doing anything with E three. And I mean that that's been an ongoing thing that you know they had been kind of distancing themselves from the the trade show. Anyway, I mean, Microsoft for a while now has been hosting their own thing down the street kind of as a a tandem thing that, I mean, you could walk from the show floor to the Microsoft event in a day, go do the Microsoft event and go back to the show floor. So, I mean, with with that being said, do we really necessarily need the in-person event? No, it's more, I think... It it was really cool for for the uh, the publishers to to be able to to connect with one another as well as you know uh, I, I I guess news outlets to to get their hands on uh, with demos and videos and and see what was coming out to be able to produce content to show uh, people to get excited but um, I don't know that the, the non-in-person events have been so successful uh here lately and the in-person events have been it seems more catered to the fans and have been so crowded even then that it's not successful for that yeah
0: when they decided to make the change to uh truly to be um like truly to be a more public event that they took it away from being like those in the industry and then of course they would live stream everything else and they made it more public it really changed a lot of the dynamic for the rest of the events as you know uh, as a whole um, granted of course you know Nintendo was the first one to pull out and start doing their own thing and i got to say i think they've handled stuff very well especially with shadow dropping yeah. nintendo directs Uh, You know, opening up Treehouse, which is their basically in development, like environment and, uh, you know, kind of like the the pseudo like shadow group and that that works on a bunch of things, especially localization for stuff in the United States. Um, Right. Yeah. Microsoft, of course, being another one that they decided to host exactly down the road, they decided to host around the same time as E3. So that way it's like they could kind of keep things together without being officially part of E3. And then, yeah, exactly. The The key part being that, like, all these other ones just pulled out, and it's like, oh, well, the writing's on the wall. Everybody else has figured out their own thing. It's time for E3 to just go on its merry little way. I just, I honestly think that this is probably it, though. I mean, they've canceled the event every year for the last couple of years since the COVID-19 pandemic kicked off. It's just, it's it doesn't seem feasible anymore it makes more sense it's more cost effective for these companies to host them on their own to do their own showcases and to kind of have that mutual understanding like well okay microsoft has announced their showcase for this date you know nintendo's not going to maybe do one the same day or if they do one the same day they're going to they're going to space it out you know the times are not going to overlap you know th- there's kind of a mutual understanding so that way we can enjoy mm-hmm. things separately um granted it's like oh who's going to showcase first well Okay, sure, maybe that's going to be the battle, but they're generally nice enough to each other to not step on each other's toes. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it's sad. It's kind of unfortunate, but I'm not necessarily that hurt about it going away. Times are changing. Summer Games Fest is very popular. It's I, I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, and you know, I I really would like it to continue on, and I, I think part of the the failure of this year's show is the fact that Reed Pop took it over so late in the game, um, and maybe they didn't have enough flexibility to be able to take notes from you know their their current successful uh events like you know PAX East, PAX West, so on and so forth, uh, that they they could put on a a successful show that doesn't necessarily have to be a trade show. It could be more for the fans. But I I think they also would have to uh look at, you know, how they set the venue and and how they, they design things. It, it would be oh, a totally yeah. different event. It, you know, there wouldn't be these the these big grandiose booths like you would see at at previous E3s that you only saw on well networks like G4 or, you know, when when uh, YouTubers got to, to put out content to to go to the show and, you know, they they got to show the, the like two or three booths they got to they they wanted to visit because that that's all they had time for, because the, the event had gotten so large at that point.
0: Yeah. I almost wonder, though, too, like this is kind of something in the back of my head. I know that this hasn't been discussed and it hasn't been obviously confirmed to be part of the case I honestly think it's just the popularity really is what is what drove things to be the way that they are now the fact that E3 is not happening but over the last mm-hmm. few years we've had a lot of vitriol and fury and fire come out of the the gaming community at developers and at, um, at uh, game publishing companies about you know about the quality of games about um you know uh, I, I can't necessarily give specific examples I'm not talking about like the the stuff going on with Activision Blizzard with the the harassment lawsuits and that I'm talking more like um, you know like uh, naughty dog I guess got a lot of of crap for stuff with uh, uh, with stuff with last of Us part two there was uh, chaos with, Uh, the god of war ragnarok team and things that came out you know before god of Mm -hmm. war ragnarok actually released i know bungie got a lot of stuff for destiny too you know and that there's a lot of hate and anger going on in the gaming community that's so awful a lot of things like a lot of game devs that are getting doxxed or you know are harassed or threatened online and and it's i wonder if there could even be some of that too that's going on like it's like okay here's a public event where they're letting people in. We know how these people have been treating us. Why don't we just go ahead and keep it in our own houses where we're no where like we know we're safe. We know we can present this information and get this out to people. And then of course they deal with the fury and fire in the comments instead of actually being legitimately around like these people. I know it's sort of like an introvert thing to say, but like it really comes down I think to a lot of safety stuff though too.
1: Uh, I mean potentially. I mean I, I I could I could see some of that too. not I know it's a long shot but I'm to... just
0: I'm just wondering though if that could be some of it because we've we've seen so much of it happen over the last couple of weeks. But you years. do have
1: developers and publishers making a presence at PAX. So and and that that's open to the public.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually very true. I you know,
1: I, I yeah. I kind of forgot about PAX as well. Too, but is they could they could change the timing they could work um, closer with Jeff Keeley I know that he's he had worked with e3 in the past and he's kind of distanced himself from um, the ESA and you know their their whole mess of things but maybe it's time for the ESA to ask him for help you know to to bring bring them back to to raise them up because he he's created a good thing maybe he could have like this like little mini in person show for e3 uh in the middle of summer games fest because let's face it summer games fest takes up most of the summer at this point if you think about all the trade show i guess uh, little event uh youtube showings that they have uh throughout you know the various weeks you know You'll you'll get to Friday and Saturday of almost every week during uh June and, and someone's doing something.
0: Yeah, I I don't know necessarily if we could see a partnership because I mean Jeff Keeley left to go start up Summer Games Fest because he was burned by E three. He was burned mostly by the fact that they weren't I guess, taking his ideas or at least weren't listening to the feedback to fix things because, you know, obviously E3 is in a very bad state. Now, anyway, the ESA still off doing their own thing, but obviously E3 doesn't exist the way that it used to. And Jeff realized yeah. that. So I wonder if like, if, if there was to be something where summer games fest did step up and offer to assist E3 in some way, like Jeff would have to set the the record straight with them and be like, guys, this is how things went for you, and it didn't work. We're able to be successful this way. If you want to be able to work together on this, it's like these are the rules you're going to have to play by.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of raises the question if uh, if the ESA even approached Jeff if he if he would even um, say yes because of the way you know he had been burned. I mean, it's a possibility that he wouldn't even say yes, that he would say, no, I I think I'm good, guys. And let's face it, at this point, he kind of is.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm leaning more towards anyway, is that I don't see there being an olive branch from Jeff Keeley to the ESA to say, hey, we're here to back you up on this. No, I think Summer Games Fest is, is fine doing its own thing. And I think by having any sort of meddling from the ESA on whatever Summer Games Fest has been doing and doing well on is just going to drive things back to the way they were with E3. And it's just, I I don't see that happening. So I think E3's done. Summer Games Fest is going to continue happening. Uh, Awesome Games Done Quick is going to continue happening anyway. I know that was completely separate, but I at least wanted to make mention because it is game-related. Oh, heck yeah. And then, of course, all of the individual events are still going to happen too. We're still going to see all of the individual ones from the big publishers, the bigger devs happen during the summer, no matter what. So at least it's safe to say for us as gamers, we're still going to get all the news, all the reveals, all the scoops, everything out there. And we don't rely on E3 anymore to make that happen.
1: Yeah, I, I, I I think that that's pretty much all there is to be said about it. Unfortunately, Um, this might be the nail in the coffin, but maybe, You know, Pop can look at this as, you know, a learning experience and take a year to, I guess, analyze since they, like I said, they they did kind of get blindsided and uh, take on the the E3 uh, mantle. What was it, like eight months from, from when the show was actually supposed to occur? So... I, maybe I'm wrong on that timing, but I I think it was less than a year's time that they they had. So maybe they can take a couple years off and revitalize the the event, and with a complete restructure. But maybe this was the final nail in the coffin, and this is farewell to E3, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Well, hats off, salute to you. Goodbye, E3. And of course, as we Hopefully say goodbye for just now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> but as we say goodbye to E3, we carry on to uh from old and busted to new hotness. And that new hotness happens to be Z- Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. That's right. We got a gameplay trailer. I believe it was about fifteen ish minutes, maybe a little bit more, uh, where we got to actually see some gameplay uh from series producer E. G. Anum uh what is that, Anuma? Aonuma, yeah. I, I you have to Aonuma. forgive me in pronouncing Japanese names. I do my best. I really try. I'm not trying to butcher anybody's name, uh, but this was not a story trailer in any way. This was truly gameplay that we actually got to see. Um, there were, uh, I did watch at least about half of this. I didn't get to watch the full thing because obviously it was on at work, and I you know I had to jump in between doing actual work and <laughs> checking this out, um, but what we got out of it and thanks to nintendolife.com here for their um their every new detailed revealed article so we can go through this here uh is there some new controls uh we do have uh, it's a little bit of an adjustment now in regards to just how things are accessed but majority of the controls are staying the same more specifically it's the adjustments to getting into like the uh, inventory getting into um some materials and such though but really mostly stuff stayed the same, a little bit of an adjustment. Um, There are now map coordinates, though, too, built into the uh, little uh, map overlay in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. So when you're playing, you'll actually be able to find out exactly what the coordinates are. And I know that's going to be handy for people who are especially big about, like, 100%ing the game when they're finding Koroks, when they are doing, like, those memories from uh, Breath of the Wild. I know that was a really big thing to help pinpoint down um, where it was at. I know that would have been a bigger help, excuse me, to pinpoint down where things were at. Uh, so now having this in Tears of the Kingdom will make it easier for those who liked 100% their games. That's pretty neat to see. Uh, there's an adjustment to Campfire Smoke that they brought up here in the article, though, too. And I guess there's... A- they say it's uh, what do they say here exactly? It's like we've seen uh, campfire smoke in Zelda games before, but the distinct puffs in the gameplay trailer suggest that something new is going on here. Whether it's an easier way of spotting campfires or something completely new remains to be seen. Uh, but we'll keep our enthusiasm burning nonetheless. Of course, they yeah, had to throw a little pun in there, Kyle. Um,
1: I, I I think that's kind of a cool feature, especially you know if you're you're at the bottom of a ridge and you're there's someone just on the other side of a hill and. You know, you've been wondering for a while, trying to find something in an area that that's a little bit of a helpful, you know, kind of red flag that, oh, check here because something's going on. Someone's got a campfire that's new. that That's kind of neat
0: and handy. So it could be I, even I, maybe like a type of campfire, like maybe the size of the puffs might be like, oh, you're going to have a lot of enemies around here, you know, because they need a larger fire. Or maybe it could be an encampment or something else.
1: That's a possibility. I didn't even think about that.
0: Yeah, it's it's very likely, you know, it, it could be that, or it could be that the Puffs signify, like, a special structure or something, too. Like, this is a uh, this is a structure or something that it's going to create things like this. I, I don't know. Daring um, on, like I said, Koroks are back, though. Um, in the trailer, they actually did show a Korok there on the side of the road. Uh, but not only are you finding Koroks, though, it looks like they may have um, little side quests that they put you on though too which would be better instead of just collecting the Koroks you might actually have a little bit more engagement with them instead of just trying to find these little suckers hiding under god knows what
1: yeah because wasn't there like 500 of them in the previous game I don't think that many I don't think it was 500 now, now I and then what? all you got for a uh, a reward was a golden poop let me see here if I'm not mistaken,
0: let's see. Number of Koroks in Breath of the Wild. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought there were. Um, interesting. I thought there were much less than that. And you were even off, too. 900 in Breath Holy of the Wild. Holy cow.
1: So if this yeah, gives any indication, it, there's going you, to be a few if hell you hell find them more. all. Your only reward is a golden pile of poop which doesn't give you any reward. And I think the, even in the description, it smell ha- says it has a faint, uh, a faint, uh horrid smell or something like that, or a, a bad o- odor. So it it's like, wow, you, you wasted all your time for that. So yeah, this is, this is much better than finding them and getting nothing. dude.
0: No kidding. I mean, maybe because everything takes place up in the sky now though, too, or it's a mix of sky and, and stuff on, on, you know, on, Terra Firma. That maybe it's like that's flying poop when you find all nine hundred in this one. That that, it just floats. Yeah,
1: that that's the next big point. Is they have the new sky areas that are basically like sky islands from uh, which Zelda was that the, uh, um, shoot,
0: why am I blanking on the name too? No, it's like Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword. Yeah, why would we blank on that? This looks
1: like it's going to be a lot more epic. Um, and of course, uh, aside from the islands in the sky to explore, um, there are dragons flying around the islands.
0: Yeah, so we already had um, several dragons in Breath of the wild. so it makes sense mm-hmm. for them to make a reappearance in Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but what they point out though here what Nintendo life points out from the trailer or from the, the gameplay trailer here, is that the dragon that they're seeing, though, doesn't appear to be in the normal spot that they saw it in or that players had seen it in in Breath of the Wild. So does that mean that this is a a new dragon? Does that mean that we have uh, them kind of being more expanded out into the Sky Island area? You know, what's what's the whole reasoning here behind it? But obviously, of course, we're not going to learn anything until we actually sit back and play the game. Right. Yeah, uh, there's talk, of course, about the um, islands having yellow trees, though, too, which, you know, maybe you're looking at these, maybe you don't think too much of it. But um, apparently uh, Aonuma made a comment during the during the gameplay trailer, though, saying you won't see many of those yellow trees on the surface. So whether or not the yellow trees are a part of like say whatever the magic and mysticism is of these these pieces of hyrule actually floating up into the sky or they hold some other secret, you know, you're going to have to find out while playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, he I don't think he would have uh he would have made mention of them if they they weren't important. So I I think that that's something to probably be on the lookout for not not so much as you know just maybe a major plot thing but just because he he mentioned it there there's got to be something special about him
0: yeah oh yeah so i guess we'll just i mean with the abundance of them there's it's got to be something maybe not necessarily like major or or crazy or chaotic But it's probably going to be something that just goes along with the rest of the game, though, anyway. That it's like you see them, you know that they provide this.
1: Yeah, maybe they're they're just on, like, islands that have specific dungeons or something in the sky. Or abilities. Who knows? Yeah, who
0: knows? Um, We do have a brand new enemy that's been featured as well. Uh, These enemies are called Constructs. And so the Constructs seem to have the same sort of style as like a guardian does uh but definitely much smaller they are about the size of link if not a little bit taller and they don't seem to have any sort of like crazy weaponry or anything like they're not going to hit you with some magic pink beam from across the map and blow you to kingdom come it looks like they actually are using i guess what they can pick up from the ground or if they have uh, another one of these merged weapons here, which we'll we'll get into here in a minute. I know that's farther down the chain because I did actually see that part of the trailer. So, but they they do seem more like maybe like what would be the base enemies outside of the um um uh oh my god, Bokoblins? Is that the right name? Uh, you know what I I'm talking so. about though. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the no, it's been a long tr- time tr- yeah.
1: since I played it. <laughs> i hate to
0: say i keep forgetting these things but man it's like time goes on um yeah they do drop some things though in the trailer they were actually dropping um what they were called let's see they were called it's actually listed here um uh, oh my gosh where is it uh yeah right here uh they were called zonai charge so apparently the constructs are made out of uh, zonai tech and I guess there's going to be more information about what the Zonai are. Maybe there was stuff in Breath of the Wild, and again, when I played it, I just completely missed it. But they dropped, this right. char- they dropped these things called Zonai Charge, and um, there are some other things that they dropped, though, too, but nothing was shown off about what you actually would use those for. So, again, another thing to actually look out for. Uh, weapon degradation is there, too, so obviously, of course, if you're excited about that or, or what have you, I mean, you know, hooray, you, you're going to break weapons. Go figure. Uh, okay, now we're getting into the point, though, about where I actually started watching this, and this is the interesting part, is new materials, or more specifically, the new materials and the um, the fusibility, and these kind of all go together. Mm-hmm. So any materials that are actually being found in the game now, and I'm talking about raw materials, not like stuff you're combining together per se, but uh, like initially, like when you're cooking things up, but raw materials, you can actually now fuse those to different Things in your inventory, like especially weapons or ammunition, say for like your uh, like arrows, um, you can actually merge them together now to create effect arrows. At least is what they showed off here. So they showed like a, um, uh, they showed a.
1: Uh, I think um, the coolest one was the uh, arrow with a uh, eyeball. Yes, exactly. And yeah, y- you could use it as basically a heat seeking arrow. Um, as long as you were aimed nearby an enemy, it would actually track the enemy and lock on.
0: Yeah, they even were showing um they were showing a I can't remember the actual name of the the goo or the slime or whatever it was, but it was one that offered a freeze ability. And it was uh Link was able to attach that to the arrow, shoot that at a construct, the construct was frozen and then, you know, able to go in and deal some melee damage, which was pretty cool. And so I'm just curious to see exactly what else happens when you attach even more to like the arrows actually see like what else you might get out of it which means that's going to be a big thing potentially to pay attention uh to when you're going into combat um because you might actually have enemies that you're going to face up against like especially bosses that might require you to merge things around uh you know from around them to be able to defeat them you know more effectively
1: Uh, or for that matter i mean for speedrunners, there there might be Ways to, to completely cheese bosses, you know, super quick, uh, just with these simple uh, fuse abilities that no one would have thought to uh, of items to fuse together.
0: Yeah. And that's actually the ability, though, that was used to kind of combine these things together was is called fuse. Fuse will let mm-hmm. you actually merge together those different things. Not only just like I was talking right. about with the arrow and the materials, but one of the things they showed in the trailer was like, oh, you have a random stick in your hand and you know that the durability is eh on it. It'll get you through a, a little bit of combat, but not 100%. Um, and then goes up to a smaller boulder on the ground and is actually able to fuse those together and turns it into a a, a, a hammer or another larger melee weapon that then has a higher level of durability. And that right there just in the short sweet to the point part of it is pretty slick you can just put that together i wonder i wonder if you could actually take like the body of like a, a bokoblin and actually attach it to a stick or like if it's alive or something can you fuse it with the stick and it's like as you're going and attacking enemies can you attack it with one of the enemies itself you know
1: i mean it's, it's hard to say um i it, i i I'm kind of wondering the same, but if I remember right, that when you defeat them, they they turn to smoke, didn't they?
0: Yeah, they did. But that's why I was wondering. Maybe not necessarily one that's like dead per se, but maybe one that um one that is still alive. Maybe you can like sneak up and like do some sort of weird merge for whatever reason. I don't know. Oh, I, would just, I get you. I would just find it funny to be able to see that you could do that with an enemy or something. You know
1: that that would be funny,
0: actually. Yeah. Um. Next one of course was recall. recall allows you similar to like how you could use stasis to lock a object in place and and basically beat it in a submission which would give it all of that um, stored energy to then just shoot off into whatever. recall I guess kind of could be considered the same way is that it I guess no actually not really I don't know what the freak I'm talking about here uh, but it lets you actually rewind um, an object's movement so a piece itself might be on the ground and it looks like it came from say a building or something like that you can actually hop onto it and use the recall ability to just bring yourself uh back to wherever that thing fell from so the example they gave in the trailer yeah was a piece of like a building or a structure that was on the on ground level there in hyrule hop on it use the recall and it actually basically turned into an elevator took the piece back up to where it was. And then you could hop off of it, and then the piece itself would just fall right back to where it was. So it's more of like a, just a temporary motion to take you up to where it came from, but it wouldn't lock it back into place. It was obviously a broken hmm. piece. It would just fall back. I think I got stuck here because the, the last sentence here says maybe might we be able to use this ability like Stasis from Breath of the Wild and get creative in our combat? You know, maybe that's where I was going. It's like, you know, maybe you could recall it, get into a combat with somebody, and then just have a big boulder just fall on top of their head,
1: you know? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I guess I didn't think about it that way. I, it's a possibility. I, I feel like it might be more of a stepping stone to one of the later or one of the last abilities we'll talk about.
0: Yeah. Um the next one though was really was shown off in one of the more recent uh trailers uh before this one, and that was what they now call Ultra Hand. That allows you to actually merge pieces together to in a manner of speaking, create vehicles. You know, similar to what we saw in Banjo Kazooie, nuts and bolts. I mean, that's the best example I've actually seen for this. The best comparison—that's pretty
1: much the only example yeah. out there.
0: It's yeah. Or I mean, there there are some other things, but it's this. That's the easiest one to make the comparison to. Is yeah, you right. Can, you can make different, basically, vehicles to traverse Hyrule. Like you don't need to worry about calling on a horse. You can literally build yourself a vehicle to traverse around like the couple things that they showed was a uh, they had used the fusibility to combine three logs together to make a raft and then there were two fans on the ground that they picked up and and put onto the end of the logs uh you know instead of a um, instead of a sail and then all link had to do was hop on whack the whack the fans and that gave enough thrust to allow link to cross a river without actually using any stamina so he was able to get there. He didn't steer, at, at any way, shape, or form. He was just he was bound by just going like the way the fans were pointing, which was just pushing him forward. That was it.
1: That's still pretty cool, though. I mean, yeah. and, and I think there's way more creativity to be had with this. Of course, in previous trailers, we had seen the uh, car-like ve- vehicle, and then we had seen the like uh, jumping boat that has the uh, fans as well as the the sail, but. I, I think this will be one of the most creative tools um, as far as it goes, like probably more so than what we saw with Stasis in, in the previous game. But um, just because that, that there is so much stuff that you can pick up and fuse in the first place, um, it'll make the Ultra Hand just one of the most powerful tools ever in a Zelda game.
0: I think so, especially when it comes to combat. Because imagine building up basically a a vehicle that you've loaded down with like bombs or whatever. You go and smack like the fan or, or the the motor to get it moving, and you just let it go and do its thing, and it drives basically a nuclear bomb into the middle of a uh, uh, of a group of enemies. You know, you basically car bomb them, um, right? Yeah. But the key thing to know, though, is that when you do engage the, the like motor parts of this, the things that will actually make the, the, the vehicle, quote unquote, move, um, it does have only a short period of time that it runs. It brings up a battery meter or what looks like a battery meter in the center of the screen or just below the center of the screen yep. that at least shows you how much time is remaining on that initial action. And it doesn't seem like it slows anything down per se. Like it's going to just, it's really fast there at the beginning and then slows down as it gets through each bar. It's just basically as soon as it's done, it's done. Um, But they didn't show anything about you being able to engage that a second time. So whether or not it's one where, say you're floating in the air and then the fans go out, if you can just smack the fans again and keep going, they didn't show that part. So there might be higher tier materials that you can get that will allow you to, say, fly farther or drive farther or whatever it is. a larger battery. Exactly. But like for the things here, though, is that they didn't show anything specifically battery wise. It seems like whatever the power is, it's something mystical, magical inside the actual uh, movement portion of the device. Right. So there's okay. I get you. Um, Next thing they talked about was called Ascend. Now, Ascend was an interesting one. This one allows you, if there is a ceiling above you and then a surface above that ceiling, like a flat area or, or whatever, you can actually use this Ascend ability to go through the ceiling and basically swim up through to get to the next level. Now you're thinking with see, portals.
1: And th- yeah, and this is the ability that I was thinking that is um, the... what the the recall is going to be more of maybe a stepping stone to the ascend because th- this ability seems so powerful it, i could i could see players trying to juke the game to see whatever whatever level ground is above them to try and teleport to and it seems like that might be a possibility in the game
0: i think so too i think that just like we saw in Breath of the Wild with uh, the way that people were completing shrines, I think we're going to actually see a lot of like potential game-breaking events happening from not even speedrunners, just people are like, I wonder if I can do this, that they're going mm-hmm. to hop in And it's like, well, how far can I go with Ascend? I bet you it's going to have, like, it's going to be a very powerful one that you're not going to get to later in the game. But I bet you it's going to have a meter of some type that is going to progress further, you know, that says like, okay, you can go through a depth of like like this, you know, and they'll give examples or something. So you might be able to pop through like a cave ceiling that maybe is no more than about three or four feet thick, you know, between the actual cave ceiling and the actual surface above it. But then later on, it's like, oh, you could just go through even more, you know, because otherwise, imagine your stamina running out. I mean, you're going to die pretty freaking quick if that happens, you know? Right. Yeah, so it's it's up to, I guess, you know, those who when they pick up the game, like how exactly this is all going to fare and when you actually see that ability. But I bet you it's going to be later down the line.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could see lots of YouTube videos coming from just the um, Ascend and the Ultra Hand video that um, just stuff that you're not even going to be able to imagine. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: A um, couple other things that Nintendo Life picked up on in the trailer is they saw shrine markers in the mini map. Uh, they believe that they are shrine markers. They have a very close resemblance to them, but that's not 100% confirmation, though. So maybe there's something different that way in regards to how you actually earn these, like, uh, or unlock, excuse me, these powers and abilities. Uh, They also saw cave icons, too. So that means there's going to be a little bit more, like, dungeon exploring, underground exploring through here. And they even noticed that there are little check marks next to the caves that maybe those are the ones that you've already explored and completed. Or at least they're just marked off saying, hey, I've been to this cave now. I can just keep going. You know, that, that's, that's right. all it is. Even if you don't complete it, you just still mark it off. Uh, there is skydiving in this, though, too. And I mean, obviously, it's like if you're up on the, the island, one of the sky islands, you're going to want to get down, right? Well, you're going to have to just jump off and make your way down to the bottom either by, you know, jumping off and then gliding the rest of the way or by jumping and, you know, uh, plopping into some water as, you know, as elegantly as Link can
1: which means there probably isn't terminal vo- velocity as far as water goes. But, I mean, the, the idea is cool. Um, I, I, I think I did see a video of someone skydiving and going into a glide right afterwards that seemed like uh, that that might be some way to, to travel it around really quick, too. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. It probably could be more powerful in this, given that you have all the sky islands to traverse. It might be more of a thing mm-hmm. to actually see. Um, the one thing though, that I will, um, I will make mention of, uh, they do also make mention of it here in the article, but I did, when I was watching the actual, um, uh, stream of this, I was watching another, uh, another group's stream. Like, so they had it up and they were providing commentary at the same time. And they made mention here of the same thing too, is that, as you're progressing in elevation, the mini map is also changing with it. So you're not gonna have this weird stacked mini map with the islands up above and trying to figure out like the land below. It's going to be scaled so that way wherever you're at, it matches up better, which means, you know, a nice clean map interface for you as you're moving through the world, which is awesome. That, that's that's a great UI thing that every company needs to adhere to when they're making big open world games. You know, like I know right. for you and I we ran into difficulty with like Final Fantasy 14 and trying to navigate that map sometimes because it didn't feel like it was scaled out properly to account for where you were
1: at on the map. Right. Yeah, I so, know, fully agreed on that.
0: And then of course, the last bit though that came up after they had, you know, done the little like Tears of the Kingdom, you know, uh title splash at the end is that they did finally reveal. It's been in leaks like mad for the last several months but we did get confirmation that there is an official tears of the kingdom switch oled coming out um i believe it's going to be coming out about three weeks before the game drops so it's going to be um it's going to be uh with the custom joy cons it's going to be golden white on the right one golden green on the left one obviously of course the the textures and patterns that are on there seem to have some sort of semblance within from within the game itself so obviously those those styles are going to mean something of course this the back of the switch has its own design though too uh the dock is also uh designed in a really unique and elegant pattern and i kind of hope they actually sell the dock separately at some point in time too and then of course the there is a pro controller coming out that is going to be two-tone black and white uh black on one of the hand grips and white on the other i think to signify of course whatever's happened to link's arm and then, of course, there is a um, there is a case coming out as well, too, for the switch for this. Right. And that's going to be all dropping uh, or will be out, um, again, a couple weeks before. So sometime here in April is when it's going to come out. Um, but it looks like pre-orders may already have hit capacity. So you may not be able to secure this now. So your results might vary depending on what retailer you go through. But it sounds like they're actually pretty well out of stock now.
1: Not surprising. I mean, that that happens with every Zelda unit I've ever seen, especially in my time at GameStop. Um, anytime they released a, a Zelda game, uh, even the re-releases on the, the DS or, you know, the uh, oh, Portrait of Rune, um, that, that had its own unit. Um, and actually, they were very similar for each of them, if I'm not mistaken, except for the Majora's Mask one. Uh, but regardless, um, they're, they're always a cool unit and, um, people buy them like crazy. We never, never had, had, uh, pre-sales available for more than a few hours after they went live. So it wouldn't shock me if, if the, the pre-sales are sold out and Nintendo has a holdout batch for like the holiday season, um, especially, with stuff like the controller and the, uh, amiibo, because it seems like that might also be the case for those guys. Now I've heard, uh, situations with best buys, uh, occasionally having luck, but it sounds like this is a one and done until maybe, uh, Nintendo shows up on the dark horse later on.
0: Yeah, I, I, Yeah, it's a lot of stuff that probably will end up being out on the market right now. That's or like I wouldn't be surprised if we opened up eBay like how bad the prices are
1: probably jacked up on it.
0: Nine hundred dollars. Wow, only nine hundred? That's wow, I don't actually expect it to be
1: I mean that, that low. I that's just modest, but I you I know. know, eBay and oh, I know, I know. and whatnot.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, Tears of the Kingdom is still set to release here in May, so if you haven't gotten your pre-order in and you're one who isn't really like you know skeptical of pre-orders, then by all means go and do it. But your mileage is going to vary on getting this special edition console. But if you haven't watched the actual gameplay trailer yet, again, it's about 15, 17 minutes long. It's really cool to see. I mean, it looks exactly like Breath of the Wild, save of course there's islands in the sky and you can build vehicles. So I expect Kinda to see cool. a lot of I expect to see a lot of videos on TikTok of uh, people making videos and then there being like the Tokyo Drift music, okay?
1: <laughs> yeah, I could see it already.
0: But with that, we're gonna take a quick break here. And when we come back, we got a couple other stories for you, and then we'll wrap things up. So we'll be right back and check out this ad from our sponsor, Anchor.fm, now known as Spotify for podcasters. And we're back. All right, so we're moving on into the last main story that we have for this week and I mean it's not necessarily to say that it's been a uh quiet week necessarily in the news, but at least the the noteworthy stuff to bring up here and and I got to say for this next for this last main story that we've got, this really shouldn't be a surprise for anybody either. Um there were rumors and speculations about this going on um even before it released, but uh one analyst out there is suggesting that the PlayStation VR2 needs to get a price cut uh to avoid a complete disaster. So this article comes to us from Video Games Chronicle. And apparently it looks like Sony may have only sold just under 300,000 PlayStation VR2s since its launch um only several weeks ago. Ouch. And yeah, I mean we we heard rumors at one point in time uh several weeks to even several months ago that Sony was uh, you know there were rumors going around that Sony was actually cutting production requests for the PlayStation VR2 by as much as half. I think they were originally putting out like a request for three million and it sounded like they got to somewhere between one and a one and a half million. Uh, to actually produce, but of course Sony came out and said, "No, that's simply not true. We're still continuing on. We're seeing positive enthusiasm and and support from the gaming community for this headset being released, and we're, we're nothing has changed. We're pushing ahead full steam as we always had been. And it's pretty clear though that you know at 270,000 units, which I know PlayStation 5 is out there and has sold a lot more. Like I was surprised, Kyle. I was at Walmart um, this morning." uh and i saw five standalone playstation vr or playstation 5 disc versions in the case mm-hmm. which was a shock to see you know it's like it's, it's yeah you know i hadn't seen that for at least in that quantity i'd seen maybe one two but not five at once and these were standard editions not god of war ragnarok um you know so i wanted to make mention there so they have sold a lot of them but they the cost of the PSVR two is probably what's actually going to be killing more of the adoption of it right now. Um, so what they say here is according to this analyst that they, uh, they referenced here from a report from Bloomberg, uh, IDC is the name of this analyst company. And, IDC's Vice President of Data and Analytics, Francisco Geronimo, told the publication, told Bloomberg, I suspect a price cut on the PSVR 2 will be needed to avoid a complete disaster of their new product. Consumers around the world are facing rising costs of living, rising interest rates, and increasing layoffs. VR headsets are not top of mind for most consumers under the current economic climate. And that's true. I mean, the cost of the PSVR 2 costs even more than the PS5 itself an accessory for the PS5 costs more. That's just in, in true insanity and we already saw the writing on the wall even with some of this too or at least the potential writing on the wall. I know I've used that phrase a lot especially when we talked about E3 in the first half, but like this is an expensive thing.
1: Yeah, a very expensive. And you know, I I think there's a lot of things that they had working against it. Uh the fact that their their launch library was uh very very small uh the fact that it has it well it offers no backwards compatibility i mean it not even is like a a separate mode that you could necessarily pick i you have to play all ps5 vr titles or psvr 2 i don't i don't know how they're they're um exactly wording it but you you have to to play those specific titles in order to actually uh, use the system. So uh, they they've they've cut themselves off in that aspect. And don't get me wrong, they've got a lot of good features like the the room tracking and you know the outboard cameras and you know the the feedback in the headset and everything. It, they've got a lot of cool things in it. And the controllers, I mean, shoot that they, they're they're on par with the valve index controllers. But it it's for a console that once again you you're you're paying more for the VR than the console. This is maybe the point where besides a price cut, Sony needs to say, Hey, how can we offer this to different audiences to potentially gain more profit profit off of it? Um, I could see PC being the an uh, excellent audience to, to put this one out to, considering it's supposed to have, you know, a one cable connection.
0: That's the big thing. And we had talked about it previously that someone with the PSVR 2, when they were doing the review, had actually plugged it into their computer, and the computer recognized it as a second display. But mm-hmm. because there's no drivers or anything out there for the PSVR 2 to work on a PC it's not going to do anything. It's not going to it's not going to even output. Like they even though it was detected as a as a second monitor, there was no output onto the screens inside the actual headset. They couldn't see anything at all. So, you're right. Sony kind of shot themselves in the foot with this one, especially because yes, there are massive changing trends right now in the industry and mm-hmm. even for consumers pocketbooks where spending five hundred to six hundred dollars on a vr headset is definitely at the very very bottom of the list um not to mention i mean the fact that you have to have the ps5 in the first place it, i what i'm curious though about is that if they've only sold around three hundred thousand units and they've sold i don't know how many ps5s right now i don't know what is it maybe two or three million ps5s maybe just a little bit more i, I can't remember what the actual mm-hmm. number is i know it's high but that adoption rate, that's just, I don't know, maybe that's what they were expecting to see, but yeah, they, it's its just so bizarre for them to have not opened up the the VR2 to work on PC. Sure, it's not going to be the best experience, just given the fact of some of the underlying tech really, you know, it, it will work better when it's in all one ecosystem. But mm-hmm. I just feel like this was just a big mistake. And it's going to be one of those things that uh, like even you said that the game library is small. It's not backwards compatible with any of the games from PSVR. So you're kind of in a very weird spot with this, with this headset.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. It, it just kind of makes me wonder why, why Sony continues to, to put themselves in these pickles uh, with, with, hardware like this um are are they not supporting it at this point are you know what what are their thoughts on on the the hardware itself because i mean they they i i feel like they didn't feel that the psvr was successful in the first place when they were coming out with the vr2 um and that's one of the reasons they came out with the vr2 but uh a good chunk of that was because the only support that they really had for it was third-party support. And a lot of those were really short one-off experience games, you know, let less, you know, beat saber and, you know, a few others that they were all really short one-off games to play. So what kind of experience, you know, were, were, were they trying to, to produce in the first place and then to, to jump into VR too? Where you know they're increasing the price of it, um, and I—that—that's another thing. I also wonder if part of the the price increase still has to do with the fact that the 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 Oculus Quest Two had the price increase. Um, maybe I'm wrong with that, but I, I I think they they did exactly the damage they wanted to do uh, by increasing the price and forcing Sony's hand on that one. But maybe not. Maybe Sony just thought it needed to be that expensive because the hardware that's in it. And that's feasible. But if you're making something that expensive, why are you making it for a console only?
0: Yeah, and they have their right to do so. I mean, obviously, they want to lock people into their ecosystem anyway. And they want to be able to provide the best experience. And they can do that by making the headset only work for their console. That's, That's pretty cut and dry with all of this. What I'm right. more like, yeah, I'm just I'm more fascinated by the idea that they didn't consider the the potential lost revenue from not opening it up to the PC market, to not allowing for it to actually work on a PC from launch, because it mm-hmm. it has all the qualities to take on the heavy hitters. It, it has yeah. all of that, you know, in there, and I mean, even Linus from Linus Tech Tips when they did a Review of the VR two, you know they had he had nothing but like great things to say about it, especially like with the foveated rendering where it was based on the eye tracking. You know they could actually see where it was in real time. He's like, I can't see what you guys are talking about, but I it's like, you know, and they could actually tell where he was looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but that and then the way the controllers feel and the way the headset feels, you know, being the single cable. Obviously, there were a couple little gripes here and there, but at the end of it, he had a lot of good things to say. He just. I, if i'm right he felt disappointed because it was definitely locked down to the to the ps5 and it was at that price point so sony's only couple things they could do is either keep trudging on like they have been and we find out about how well they sold headsets in their next uh financial um you know their next financial release sometime in the next couple months uh or they do a price cut pretty quick which would be an interesting sign but i don't think they'll do that or they bite the bullet and they release drivers for PC.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. Here's the thing uh, that I guess one more thought I on, on the whole thing. Sure, Sony has had a uh, back end for PC in the works for quite a while now. It they they found it in the source code for Spider Man that they were going to have uh, Sony credential login and and stuff for the PC that, you know, was going to effectively tie to your your PSN uh, account that you use on PS4 or PS5, so on and so forth. If you've got a Vita still and you still download games on it, you still probably use it on there too. But um, why haven't they opened up that back end and, I don't know, made a storefront for their games since... They're very neurotic about their own storefront. Oh on, yeah, on PlayStation, dude, like hands down. way more than Xboxes.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, uh, they are.
1: Why haven't they made their own on PC? Why? Why haven't they just opened it up to put on PC and let players use the headset only with their storefront? Who cares if people hack it later on? They, you got their money for you know six hundred dollars at least, and who knows, maybe at least a couple games.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the other interesting part is not even just the PC component, but it's like they bought, I believe, two or three companies that were specializing in VR-specific games. And then they bought mm-hmm. the one company that they had been partnering with to make PC ports of, I believe, not just their games, but other. there may be some other console games that they had done PC ports for, but I think they were more specifically working like Sony titles. But it's like they, they put in all that effort it's like why not bring that out for pc you know to kind of show your support of that community if that's what you're trying to do i mean i know that right. the last of us uh release for pc this week was definitely an absolute bomb and that it required uh or there i believe there's some patching in that that needs to come out to be able to fix some of these issues but it's it's very interesting to me to see that they haven't done anything yet but maybe they're gonna do it when they maybe they'll port uh horizon call the mountain or call the whatever it's called um to pc at some point in time you know and when they do that it's like oh hey guess what we're gonna offer this for vr and it will work with all these other things but if you want the best experience guess what we're now dropping drivers for you for the psvr2 for pc so now you can enjoy it to the fullest extent possible you know it just, it feels like that could be maybe a segue for them to do so, and they're just biding their time, making sure they stay specific to their environment, and then they'll come back around a PC. So, you know, maybe we can give them some credit to say, hey, sure, they'll come around, but right now we're not seeing that anyway. We're seeing them just, just holding steady at what they normally do best, which is just their own console.
1: Well, and you know, maybe maybe that's the the problem is they they've never really had a a blockbuster hit on on PlayStation VR, you know, of their own, and they're 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 gonna need at least one hit in order to do it, you know, and maybe maybe they're gonna have to lean on those those titles that that are coming out of the current generation with a PlayStation Five on on the PS2 VR. With you know Horizon Call of the Mountain and and some of the ones that you know they they have coming down the pipeline for uh, VR two to to release on uh, PC and 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 be able to yeah actually say hey if you want the best experience play it on PlayStation VR yeah probably going to be the case you know and and just make a patch make a plugin for PC allow people to use it because you're not going to make the money otherwise it seems like i i mean it's an expensive headset to produce it's an expensive headset to buy sell it to more
0: people dude 100%
1: but we have to wait to
0: see what's going to happen there as always because again i mean the PSVR2 has only been out for a couple weeks so now we just have mm-hmm. to wait but unfortunately yeah <laughs> unfortunately but while we wait we're going to move into the last bit of the weekly news roundup which happens to be the quest markers hosted by Kyle Kyle we have it looks like 3 quest markers to go through what do we have going on this week
1: yeah a couple 3 goodies to match our couple 3 news articles so for the first quest marker for this evening uh there has been a new patent for an Xbox controller spotted out in the wild. And this new fantastic controller seems to have a screen in the top of it uh, that would display your battery life, your chat status, and potentially like other things that you can access like social media, potentially loadouts, or even music for the game. Um, This wild new patent apparently comes from us uh, from Turtle Beach, of all people. Um, Originally thought to be done up by microsoft uh that it was released the following day that it is a turtle beach patent so but being a patent it isn't necessarily a controller that's in the works just an idea out there so unfortunately this is one of those wait and see situations to see if we get a uh, nifty controller that emulates the dreamcast once again bringing the past to the future Thank you, Dreamcast, for being so far ahead of your time. And in our next uh, quest marker for this evening, Microsoft has ended the Dollar Game Pass offer. Uh, over the course of the, the well, shoot, past, I, I want to say, three, four, five years, quite a while now, Microsoft has offered a option to upgrade your Xbox Gold Membership to an Xbox Game Pass or Game Pass Ultimate membership for a dollar only. You could upgrade up to two, I believe, I believe it might have been two or three years. I, I think it was two, however, uh years just at a um for the dollar. But now, unfortunately, that has ended with the uh potential of the friends and family plan. Uh, here in the future, but no word yet if it's going to actually release in America or uh, full out to the public just in its test market. So, goodbye, dollar game pass. Everyone now has to pay. But moving on to our last uh, quest marker of the evening, Horizon Forbidden West DLC is a PS5 exclusive because clouds yeah apparently the clouds in the game cause rendering issues that only allow the um new dlc to be played on the next gen system so if you expect to play the new horizon dlc you will have to play it on a playstation 5 because the game won't render the clouds in the gameplay at the same time unfortunately and they've program no other way for it to exist those goddamn clouds good luck it's time to upgrade guys sorry but that is it for the quest markers for this evening and
0: because that is it for the quest markers that is it for the weekly news roundup for the week of march 31st 2023 of course, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's News Roundup. If you like what you're listening to, be sure to uh, su- uh, to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're probably on it. Just go search for the NPCs podcast, and you'll be able to go ahead and subscribe right there on your favorite device. And anytime our new content goes up, it will immediately download to your device. You can just start listening to us right then and there. If you're not sure exactly where to listen to us at, be sure to go check out our homepage at anchor.fm slash mcs podcast and you'll be able to go ahead and look at all the other platforms we're supported on. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's news roundup. We will catch you all next week.
1: Bye-bye.